Well, good morning. Welcome to the Orchard. Whether you're with us online, whether you're here in the building, we got almost a full house here today. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Yeah. You know, we have been in this series going through the Gospel of John, and we are doing that because we want to elevate Jesus into his rightful place. Today, we're stepping out of the book of John because today is an important day. Today is actually a holy day. Today, we're going to be looking deep into the Old Testament, then into some history, then in the New Testament, connecting it all together to see what it means for us today, 2021. And so last week, if you were here with me, and of course, if you were, you remember every word I said, we preached about the bread of life in John 6. And John 6 takes place during the time of Passover, one of the big holy days that God commanded his people to celebrate. And of all the holy days that there were in the Hebrew times, um, in the Hebrew Bible, there is three that are specific that they would make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. It says in Exodus 34, 23, three times a year you shall appear before the sovereign Lord, the God of Israel. Three holy days to make a pilgrimage to be in Jerusalem at the temple. Passover, like we talked last week, was one of them. And we we looked at that the past few weeks, but we're going to do a deep dive into Passover when we get there later on in John. The second pilgrimage holy day is the one we're looking at today. It's called Shavuot. Everybody say Shavuot. Say it with some power. Shavuot. Yeah, that's what I want to hear. And the third um, pilgrimage holiday, we're going to look at next week. And I got to tell you, rarely this happens where I am already so excited about next week, and I haven't even preached this to you yet today. So this is going to be an exciting little, little couple weeks here. Today we're going to step out of the book of John because today there's something happens between John 6 and John 7 that is timely right here today. And by day's end, you will know what we're celebrating And I think there's a reason for us as the orchard today to celebrate. It's the high holy day of Shavuot, as I mentioned. And I want to tell you a little bit about it. The holy day, and I want to credit Rabbi Vanderlaan here for opening up this discussion. He had so much to say about Shavuot. And and if you've never heard Rabbi Vanderlaan, a great teacher, but he talks about Shavuot and what it means in the Bible. is It's called the Festival of Weeks. Like seven days, the festival of weeks. And God, when he gave his Ten Commandments, along with that, he gave so much more instruction to the Hebrew people about how they were to behave and how they were to believe, but also how they were to celebrate certain holidays and holy days. And Shavuot is the wheat harvest festival. And God says they should celebrate that by bringing their first fruits of their wheat to God. It says this in Exodus 34, 22. Celebrate the festival of weeks, Shavuot, with the first fruits of the wheat harvest. And that, that, that's kind of what at the basis Shavuot was. It says in 26, God says again, bring the Lord your tithe, your first fruits, and bring it to God's house, the house of the Lord. And they didn't bring it with obligation or punishment. They brought it with joy and gratitude because they had a harvest and they would bring the first fruits of that. And it's fitting for me to pause here just for a minute as lead pastor and say some things because so many of you have so faithfully brought your first fruits and your tithes to God's house here. This, this ministry runs 100% on generosity of people like you, and I'm so thankful that you not only keep us going here, but you're fueling further mission. And we have some, we have some exciting initiatives coming up that we're going to tell you more about in the coming spring, some things we're going to do. But I want you to know that we don't just want to make a spiritual impact in this room or even in our region. Like, we want to be a practical, helpful, compassionate impact on people who are in need. And so every week behind the scenes, we are, we are helping children 
and homeless and widows and the needy, both domestic and international. Uh, what we're going to do is make what we've already been doing more visible because we, we support missionaries in India and France and globally. God is doing things based on um, our generosity. God's moving in some ways that I want you to know of, that you're a part of. And so thank you. As we, as we look at the festival of first fruits, I just want to pause and say thank you so much for fueling the vision of what God is doing here at the orchard. And as we discuss this uh, festival of the weeks, it's called the festival of weeks because it is always seven weeks after the Passover. The festival of weeks is seven weeks and one day after the Passover. They would, they would have the Passover Sabbath. They would start counting down 50, 49, 48. They would count down the days because seven full weeks is 49, add one day, 50. This is all you have to know. Shavuot, 50 days after Passover. Always been that way. That's the way God made it. And, and the wheat festival, the harvest festival, is thanking God for the provision that he's given in your life. But we have to admit, especially here today, how many of you are involved in the wheat business online or here? Not many of us, you know? We're not big into the wheat business, but so we don't... This holiday doesn't seem like something we would, we would go all the way to the temple, pill, like stop our work and make a, a journey to the temple and thank God for the wheat harvest. But there's, there's more going on, obviously, in their day and time and context, but there's more to Shavuot than just the wheat harvest. What does wheat make? Bread. It makes bread, and Shavuot has ceremonies where they would take bread, and that would be part of the ceremony, but Shavuot has something much deeper, much richer than just bread. In fact, the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 8.3 says this, people cannot live by bread alone, not by the wheat harvest alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And that verse there reveals some of the richness today we're going to look at of Shavuot, not just celebrating the harvest, but also celebrating the words that come from God. Because Shavuot is when from God's mouth, the word of God, the Torah, the first five books of the, of the Old Testament, the, the covenant of God, the Ten Commandments, was spoken on that holy day. Back in Exodus 34, when God institutes Shavuot, it's the very chapter where he, God writes this covenant his commands, he puts them on stone tablets for Moses to give the people. And again, this is no small thing. When we, we see the movie and we read the story and it's so familiar to us, we, we gloss over some things, but we have to remember, and I've said this before, that the children of Israel, they were slaves and their parents were slaves and their grandparents were slaves. And when, and when you're a slave, it, it, they, they had their, their culture ravaged, their self-worth taken from them. They didn't have a, a culture of their own. They were told who they were by the Egyptians they didn't know how to view themselves. They did not know how to view God. They didn't know how to view themselves in, in light of who God would even say they are, how to behave. And so God is going to do something amazing here. He's going to give his people a covenant, a promise, almost like a wedding declaration. You see, they were slaves in Egypt until the Passover. And on that first Passover, remember they put the sacrificial blood of the lamb and, the, the, and they, they, they were passed over. And then Pharaoh said, get out of here. So they left that first Passover, and they journeyed following God's cloud of fire by night and cloud, of, cloud by day. The fire by night and cloud by day. For, for weeks after they left that first Passover, for weeks they traveled. They journeyed through the wilderness. One week, two weeks, three, four, five, six, seven weeks they traveled. And then the next day, 50 days after the first Passover, 
we find the children of Israel at the bottom of Mount Sinai, the bottom of the mountain. And this is where the first Shavuot happens, before their eyes and before their ears. And so 50 days after this, they're about to receive something. They're there at the bottom of this mountain 50 days after Passover, and they're going to receive something that's going to be a game changer. It's going to change everything moving forward. It's going to ripple into the New Testament. It's going to ripple into today because of Shavuot. God gives them the covenant. He gives them the Torah, his commands, his word. And again, this is not a list of, of do's and don'ts. It goes much more beyond that. It speaks identity of who God is and identity into who they are to be. It calls them out of that, of who they were into something new. It gave them wisdom for how they're to live their life. It, the Torah gives them wisdom for how they're to make decisions. It, it informs them on how to, how to love others and how to give grace. It, it informs them how to, how to relate to God and, and how to ask forgiveness and live for him. Shavuot was when God changed the game. Right there, Exodus 19. Things were different after that day. Exodus 19, we read about this, and I want you to put on your imagination. I want you to listen. I want you to see it. I want you to feel what it would be like to be there at the bottom of the mountain. Imagine this in Mount Sopris, right? Exodus 19, verse 16. On the morning of the third day, there was a thundering. There was lightning with thick clouds over the mountain and a loud trumpet blast. Everyone in camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain, Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from the smoke, like a smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently as the sound of the trumpet grew louder. Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. Can you imagine witnessing that moment? As fire, you know, fire doesn't go down from mountains. It erupts up from mountains. We see the fire of heaven come down and smoke and trembling and billowing wind. Did you catch all that? It says there was thunder. And thunder is also the Hebrew word for voice. And we have these two voices. They have these declarations happening during this. There was sounds and blasts and wind billowing the smoke. There was trembling. And then we see the Lord descended in fire. You see, Shavuot, God descended, gave his people the Torah, his word. And the Torah is God's revelation to the people of who he is, his nature, who they are, and how they should live in light of that. And even during the time of Jesus, this Torah, that's how children would learn to read. They would start reading by reading the Torah. And if you wanted to progress in school, you would have to memorize the Torah, the Torah is something that continued to be central to the life of the Hebrew. Even in the time of Jesus, we see this as he quotes it, as he has it memorized. And this is one of those days there back in Exodus 19, I would have loved to have been there. I mean, it had been terrifying, but could you imagine the, the rushing smoke, the trembling, the shaking mountain, and, and then the, the fire descending as God's presence, and then you have the, the thunder? My, my life would be ever changed by the revelation of what God's about to give us. Our lives, as he gives us the Torah, would have changed. And we would have had a new way to live. We would have had a new divine resource, his word, to guide us. And I can't stress enough how grand this day would have, would have been in the life of a Hebrew. The Shavuot was the celebration of the first fruits of the field, but the first fruits of the word. Both bringing life in different ways. And Jesus would have celebrated Shavuot in Jerusalem. We, we have a record that Jesus traveled and pilgrims, he did these pilgrim holidays. We don't have any indication that he was there at Shavuot, but, but because he kept going for these pilgrim holidays, I believe he was there. And I, I would have loved to know what he taught about this. 
So quick review. Shavuot means weeks. And it's 50 days after Passover. The children of God had made the journey to the temple to celebrate the harvest and the giving of the word. Now, Passover is the Hebrew name. Um, but we call it something else. We, call, we, we often put a, a different word. We put Easter in there. But a, more, a better name would be Resurrection Sunday. Resurrection Sunday, when Jesus rose from the, from the grave, that's around that Passover week. And if you counted this year, if you counted 50 days from Resurrection Sunday, which was April 4th, 2021, if you counted 50 days, you would count it down to zero. And today, May 23rd, is 50 days from Resurrection Sunday. Today is a day we're celebrating. But we're going to look more at what this means. You see, because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of his work, uh, we don't celebrate Shavuot like they did in Exodus. We didn't bring our wheat or our bread this morning. But, but, but we were, we're going to celebrate it a little bit different. Today we're going to learn something that happened during Shavuot that, that changed how we, how you and I, how we see the world, how we see ourselves, how we worship, how we pray. What God did in Exodus 19 for the children of Israel he did again for us, for all people. Exodus out of Egypt is projected to be around the time of 1400 BC. That's when they, that's when they left Egypt. We're going to move forward from that Exodus, that first Passover, that first Shavuot. We're going to move forward 1,100 years to around the year 300 BC. Okay, This has little to do with prophets, but I need you to hear this. Alexander the Great was, was conquering most of the known world, defeating the Persian Empire, the Macedonian army moving across and, and approaching the walls of Jerusalem. And there's some amazing history that Josephus and other legends tell us about when Alexander gets to the walls of Jerusalem, which I don't have time to get into. But there, there's, there's so many things that happen there. But when Alexander the Great would conquer, as he moved across the map, he would bring something with him. He brought Greek culture and Greek language called Hellenism. And everywhere he went, Greek culture and Greek language began to rise up, which is why lots of our New Testament was spoken and written in Greek. Greekness spread across the map. And when Alexander brought this to Jerusalem, it changed the language there in that place, in that time, changed their culture. In fact, because of Alexander the Great, you and I actually know this holy day called Shavuot by a different name. Thanks to Alexander the Great, we have a new name for Shavuot that we've actually probably think is a Christian thing that has more to do with, with after Jesus. In fact, we have whole denominations that use this word. This word is an adjective. It's a verb. It's, it's a noun. Thanks to Alexander the Great, Shavuot is known by the Greek name Pentecost. That's where we get the word Pentecostal and all these things. Pentecost. Now, you're going to think, well, Pentecost. Woo, I've been to one of those churches. That, that's got, Pentecost means fire, right? It's got to mean something powerful or, or strange. Depending on your experience, you have, you, you have lots of history with the word Pentecost in one way or the other. But I just want to let you know, um, again, Shavuot was how many days after Passover? 50. Pentecost means 50. It means 50th. It's simply like it was 50 days later. Well, let's call it 50th. That, that, that's where we get it. We, you probably have thought that Pentecost was a Christian holiday or a Christian idea, but it's a Greek name for something that happened 3,500 years ago. And so today, we find ourselves today on the day of Pentecost, when God descended in power to, to reveal revelation to his people. 
But there's more. And so to move, we, we, we have Moses back here. We move forward to Alexander. Then we move forward to the time Jesus died. Jesus hung on a cross on Passover. He hung on a cross. He died. He was buried. And at that Passover, when that Sabbath happened, every Hebrew there in Jerusalem who was there for Shavuot would have begun counting. They would begin counting down. Because after the Passover Sabbath, they would have begun to count down from 50. Like all the generations, like all the generations had before them. This is how their calendar went. So Jesus dies. He rises again. He, 50. 49. 48 days until the Hebrew Pentecost. 47, the disciples are living in fear. The disciples are up in an upper room. Their rabbi is dead. Their dreams crushed. 46, 45. Like, what should they do now? They followed him for three years. They gave their life. They left everything to follow him, and they watched him die in front of them. 44, 43. They're hopeless. Many of them begin to return to their old life. Some of them are walking back on the road. They don't know what to do, 42. When suddenly, there they are, 11 of them in, in a room, and Jesus resurrected appears before them. And their jaws hit the floor, their hearts and minds exploded as before them is the one that they thought that was the Messiah who died in front of them. He's in the room. They see his wounds. John chapter 20, 41, 40, 39. 38, the rumors begin to spread. Some of his disciples say they saw, they saw Jesus. Is it true? Can it be true? Could he really be alive? 37, 36 days till Pentecost. 35, some believe, but many, many don't believe. They were there. They watched him die. There's no way he's alive. 34 days until Pentecost. 33, 32. Then Jesus appears to seven disciples as they are fishing on the Sea of Galilee. That's John chapter 21, 31 days till Pentecost. 30, 29, 27, 26. Jesus appears to 11 disciples on the Mount of Galilee, Matthew 28, 25 days, 24. 23 till Pentecost. Jesus continues to appear to his disciples. He appears to more than 500. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us 22 days. 21. 20 days. Jesus appears to his brother, James. I would have loved to have been in that meeting. He appears to James, 1 Corinthians 15, 13 days until Pentecost. 12 days. 11 days. 10 days. It's now been 40 days of Jesus revealing himself. And on that 40th day, he, he, he is there on the Mount of Olives with his disciples. And he tells them, he tells them there, he says, listen, you, you, you walked with me for three years. You were with me and saw me do all the miracles. You saw me die. You saw me resurrect. And now it's time to go forth and bear witness to the world. Go tell everyone what you have seen. I commission you to go forth and tell everyone. But first, go back to Jerusalem and wait for the one my father is sending. Then... Jesus ascends into heaven and sits at, the, sits at the right hand of God, Acts 1. The disciples go back to Jerusalem and they wait. Nine. Eight. Seven days until Pentecost. The celebration of God when he did a new work in his people's lives back there in Exodus 19. Six. Five. The disciples are waiting in the upper room for what or for who they do not know. Four. 
days until Pentecost. Four days until they celebrate Exodus when the Torah was given a new covenant, a new way of living. Three days until Pentecost. Two days, one day. Turn to Acts 2 verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, the disciples were all together in one place. And suddenly the sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Does this sound familiar at all? Then they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came down, descended down to rest on each of them, God descending in fire. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in languages as the Spirit enabled them. Voices, thunderings, declaring the truth. From this point on, the disciples go forth and they preach and proclaim in power and many come to Jesus. He, they walk out and give a sermon and 3,000 people say yes and come to Jesus that very minute. They aren't shivering from, at this point on, they're not shivering in the upper room. They are out there boldly declaring Jesus to the point where they are martyring themselves decades later, not even willing to be crucified right side up because they didn't deserve that honor. The, everything changed about them on this day, bold, empowered, and they go forth into the world working miracles, healing, preaching, and seeing many people come to Jesus, changing the world. You see, in Exodus, Shavuot on, Shavuot on Mount Sinai, God descended in fire from a mountain, on the mountain, and declared a new covenant with his people. A covenant a way of living, a way of relating to God. And they would not be slaves any longer. They would be his people and he would be with them. They would build him a temple and he would live in their midst. And then in Jerusalem, on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit descends in fire and God declares a new covenant with his people. They would no longer need to be bound by the obedience to the Torah or the temple sacrifices. And because of Jesus' death and resurrection, God didn't fill a temple. Because of Pentecost, he fills a people. God no longer needed to live in a temple because he would dwell within us. Earlier I mentioned that when the Torah came, there were so many benefits that came with it. I mentioned some of these. The Torah, when it came in Exodus 19, it revealed God's nature. It gave them wisdom for the present, helped them make decisions. It gave them hope for the future. It convicted them of wrongdoing and showing them where their, their behavior is off or their being is off. It, it called them to holy living. and it, it led them to making decisions. It, it led them to forgiving and loving and how to love God. And all of that was a foreshadowing of what God would do a hundredfold, just a taste of what would happen when the Holy Spirit came down. At Pentecost, God changed his address from the temple to the hearts of men and women. 1 Corinthians 3.16, don't you realize? I, I just like, don't you realize? And I would say, don't you realize that you are the temple of God and the spirit of God lives within you? The same spirit that Ephesians says that raised Christ from the dead lives in you? The same spirit that back in the Old Testament when it descended on the, on the temple and the presence was so thick, the priests couldn't even get inside because it was so holy and, and so amazing. That spirit lives in you. Because of Jesus. On Shavuot, 50 days, listen to this, 50 days after the first Passover lamb was killed, God sent the Torah to be a revelation to his people. And on Pentecost, 50 days after the last Passover lamb was killed, God sent his spirit 
to be a revelation to his people. As the Torah was to define the believer's life and behavior in the Old Testament, so now the Spirit would be the one to define the believer's life and behavior. As the Torah was to guide followers in way of right living, now the Spirit guides us in ways of right living. Previously, as the Torah was to reveal how far we were from God and call us back to holiness, now the Spirit convicts us and shows us where we're far off and calls us back to God in love. The correlation between these, these two events, I hope you can see it's no accident. It's no accident. God's saying something here. He's saying what I did before, what I did with the Torah, revealing my nature, giving wisdom, giving guidance, giving conviction, giving power, giving peace, all those things I did before at the foot of that mountain, I'm doing in you now. It's available to you. The Old Testament gives a prophecy it says, uh, this time, it says, God, he, he says, I will not write my words on stone tablets. There will come a day I will write my words in your heart. That my spirit within you will reveal my nature to you. My spirit will guide you in wisdom and conviction. And my spirit will lead you to me. Exodus, God gave the Torah and everything was different from that point on in the lives of the Hebrews. And here in Acts, God gives his Holy Spirit. And everything should be different for us moving forward. If you've come to faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit should have some tangible effect in your life. There should be some, some things happening. And 1 Timothy 1.7 says, The Spirit of God, which lives within, within you, does not make us timid. It gives us power, love, and self-control. God's spirit should have impact, effect in our hearts that we would have a boldness to live out and speak out what he's done in our life. That we would have a power, that, that, that God would give us a power to pray for those who are in need, that, that God would give us greater love by his spirit's power. Love, enough love to love those that are unlovable. Those filled with God's spirit should have love for the unlovable and grace for those who have betrayed us. And it says he gives us self-discipline. The Spirit of God should give us self-discipline to say yes to the things of God's kingdom and no to the things of this world. Ezekiel 36, 27, God said, I will put my Spirit in you so you will follow me and obey me. That God's Spirit would be the, the one that would, that would help you, lead you, guide you to obey and follow God. Galatians 5, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. This fruit should be in our lives based on the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their sinful desires to the cross and crucified them. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us Follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. Another translation says we should keep in step with the Spirit. You ever followed somebody on, on a trail? If you look up and, you're not, and they're not there, you're not following them. But the Spirit, we should be following His leading, keeping in step with Him in every part of our lives. Every part. Are you following the Spirit's leading in your relationships? Did you know the Holy Spirit has insight for you in your marriage, in your relationships, in your friendships? Are you following the Spirit's leading in your business and how you conduct it? 
Did you know he wants to give you wisdom? Did you know he wants to, to help you? Are, did you? are you following the Spirit's leading in your private life? In your own private life, are you following the Spirit's leading? And the, and the other question is, are you, are you adjusting to it? And here's the truth. The Holy Spirit was sent to guide us and empower us, but he won't force you. He's not going to force you. You don't become a robot who just obeys God. He invites you. He calls you to hear his counsel, to hear his conviction, to hear his leading, to step out in boldness, to say no in self-control, to love. Are we listening? And this is the question. In your life, are you pausing to listen to what he would have for you in your relationships? Have you done that? Have you paused and asked, what would you want for me in my marriage, in my dating relationship, in my friendships? Have you, am I pausing to hear the Spirit's leading in my private life? Have you asked the Spirit of God to lead you in your private life? Because there's some things that he might lead you to, to to do more of and some things he would lead you to to do a lot less of. So the question is, are we pausing, are we listening, and are we adjusting? I would say this. If, 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 if we're not following or keeping in step with the Spirit, like the Bible says here, then, then we're living on, I mean, less than 10% of what God intended. And the number one thing I hear is, is you know, I read the Bible and I, it's full of people getting peace and power and miracles and all this stuff. And, 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 and where is it in my life? You know, where is it? I'll tell you where it's not. It's not on Instagram. It's, it's not on more just death scrolling of Facebook at night. It's not on more Netflix and chill. There is a place to go to receive divine insight, divine peace for your anxiety, divine purpose for your purposelessness, to receive power. Not only power that moves in you, but to catalytic power that will move through you as God begins, as you begin to say yes to the Spirit, and he says, would you go pray for that person? And you take a risk and do it? The Holy Spirit is in that. Following the Holy Spirit leads us into the life God intended. The resurrected life. The partnership life. Our lives should be different because of Pentecost. Our churches should be different because of Pentecost. We should be led and guided and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And whatever your experience with Pentecost and that word, what I'm talking about is us individuals being led and obedient, listening and adjusting when the Spirit leads us, having your yes ready. When he said, when you hear feel that prompt, you say yes. That kind of church, those kind of people, they change the world. They changed history. And God's looking for those people again. God's looking for that church again of people who take him at his word and know that the spirit of God uh, who, did, who did all things at, at Pentecost is still alive and active. God is calling us, the orchard, to be part of a revival, a spiritual awakening with Jesus as our head, fueled by the Holy Spirit. And God's looking for a people to say Yes. God's looking for a people who will listen and adjust and risk based on the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit wants to give you freedom in places where you have sin and vice. The Holy Spirit is the one to go to for those of us trapped in sin and vice. Holy Spirit wants us to experience supernatural forgiveness for those we cannot let go of because they've hurt us so bad. And that bitterness is eating us like a cancer and the Spirit wants to cleanse that from us. The Spirit wants to change how we walk and how we talk through our daily life. Orchard, listen, you weren't, sa- you weren't saved for some wimpy, nice, politically correct religion that doesn't like step out of bounds or get weird or, or you know, like talk to people about, you weren't saved for something nice like that. That didn't change the world. You were saved by a powerful, effective, spiritually correct relationship with the divine God of the universe who sent his spirit on Pentecost to fill you so you could live differently than before. We're not called to be nice and religious. We're called to be courageously loving and rugged in our faith and willing to step out and say yes when it's hard and risk and give generously and love generously. There's nothing nice about this. This is beyond that. This, this is dynamic and dangerous. And it, listen, it will change your life. And you know what? It will change your, your, your coworker's life. It will change your family's life. It will change people's eternity. I don't want to be part of a nice little sweet religion. I want to see God be a catalyst in our church, in our region, in our nation, and in our world to see people turn to Jesus. Let me get back on my notes. So first and foremost, (laughs) first and foremost in this room, for those of us listening, we need to reaffirm the first step, and that is that we believe in Jesus Christ crucified and risen again. That's who the Spirit is delivered to, those who believe in Jesus Christ, that he died on a cross for our sins, died and, and resurrected then the Spirit is given. So first of all, let us reaffirm. I be- say with me. I believe in Jesus Christ. Died, crucified, and resurrected. And then if you would pray with me, if you want to today, put your hands out. I know, this is strange. Pray with me. Holy Spirit, fill me in a fresh way. God, send your Spirit God, give me more of your spirit. Fill me to the brim. Spirit, I give you permission to move in me and move through me. Amen. And now as we go into communion, I want you to pause. When we go into communion, there's some time for music. I want you to pause and I want you to do something you may have never done before. And that is ask the Holy Spirit a question. Do you know he wants to talk to you? Wants to prompt you? Wants to lead you? Wants to guide you? And maybe you have to ask him about that relationship or that private world or or what's next or that business. Or maybe the question is, Spirit, how do you see me? For some of you, you're going to hear the Holy Spirit whisper that you're forgiven. Because you walked in this building with shame all over you because of what's been done to you or what you've done. And today he wants to whisper, not, not your preacher telling you, the Spirit of God telling you, you are cleansed. You're forgiven. 
you get to walk in freedom. For some of you, he's going to ask you to release that person that you cannot let go of. The Spirit is active today if we have ears to hear. And he's calling us to make bold decisions. When I gather up here with the team before every service, I tell them the same thing every Sunday. I tell them, listen, band, tech team, you aren't good enough to change anybody. You can't play good enough to change your heart. And me, I can't preach good enough to change anything either. Orchard, we need the Holy Spirit as a church. And we need the Holy Spirit individually if we're gonna be changed and if we're gonna see our area changed. And so I'm gonna pray for us and we're gonna go into communion. Holy Spirit of God, I come before you as lead pastor and declare that we, as a people, we need you. And I pray now in our worship and in our prayer and in our own personal life that you would speak clearly and you would draw us closer to the heart of God. I pray today you would convict us. But I declare in this church that no person and no people can be a catalyst for change like you. So we give that all to you, Holy Spirit. And during this time, I pray that you would, in your kindness, would speak to us. We, in this moment, surrender ourselves to you. Father God, thank you for Shavuot. Thank you for Pentecost. And Jesus, thank you for giving yourself. Amen. And now, may you take communion on your own and talk to the Holy Spirit.